Hello and welcome to the July edition of Capital Yarns, the podcast where tales are brought to life inspired by items nominated by you. It's kinning to the serious finals end of many of the football codes uh, in July and most particularly the Super Rugby season's coming to its finals time. And news this week that the Canberra-based Brumbies will be playing the Wellington-based Hurricanes Maybe think it was time to release this yarn. A never-before-released yarn, but one that's been inspired by the sister-city relationship that Wellington and Canberra have. And when I visited last year, I put the call out over social media for uh, anyone who had experienced both cities to sort of inspire me, tell me what uh, what brings those two cities together as sisters. I was visiting and uh, was really keen to, to look at Wellington through those eyes. Ed Beck came back to me with some fantastic ideas uh, and items for a story. Beck grew up in Wellington and then moved to live in Canberra and loved both cities. And this is the story that emerged from her items, which uh, really were a rich collection of very Wellingtonian things. Uh, More than three, she talked about mountain biking at Makara Peak, driving through roads no wider than your car, watching a performance of Bell's Shakespeare at the Botanic Gardens, a trip on a cable car, the best cafe scene of any place I've been to. And uh, I can attest to certainly that last one, not to mention a pretty serious craft beer scene happening in Wellington as well. So with those items in mind, I visited Wellington uh, and uh, when returning to Canberra, this is the story that emerged. I should uh, warn listeners, it does have a language warning, lots of explicit language in this one. It's called Hey Sister. I wanted to hate her the first time I saw her. I nearly convinced myself I did. Hate at first sight. With her windswept hair and untucked t-shirt over those impossibly short shorts. Not to mention the intricate web of ink that ventured up her left thigh. Her own design, I would learn later. A pint-sized brash bundle of energy. She was everything I wasn't. Her small bag bumped my leg as she rolled past me. Sorry, she offered. Looking back, I suppose it was difficult for her to navigate around the collection of bags I had placed around me. I like to be well organised when I travel. Planning, preparation and organisation. These were the keys to a successful trip and life. A bag for every eventuality. I smiled curtly and returned to my screen. I had to reply to at least three more emails before boarding. You shouldn't drink that shit, you know. It took me a moment to realise the tattooed girl was talking to me. Her inflection on the word shit gave her Kiwi status away. Soon enough, people would be identifying me as alien by my accent. Sorry? The tone of my voice was more abrupt than I had intended. Commercially produced drone coffee. It'll kill you. Tell me you're not going to drink that in Welly. And how do you know I'm going to Wellington? The words were out of my mouth before I could stop them. Shit, what was with me? Or should that be shut? It was her turn to sound exasperated. We're in the International Lounge, and as every second person I've met in Canberra has told me, the two new international flights out of Canberra are to Singapore and Wellington, and at this time of day, it's Wellington or nothing. She had a point. She brushed her short fringe out of her eyes as she spoke. Nice eyes. Damn, she was cute. 
Shut. Shit. Whatever. Just concentrate. Plenty of time to flirt with New Zealand girls when the holiday officially starts on touchdown. So, why are you going to Wellington? Sorry, what? I genuinely hadn't heard her due to being caught up in an email from Damien, my boss, with a series of questions he should have already known the answer to. She leant over and met my gaze. I was under the impression that Canberran spoke English. I stared back, torn between marvelling at her beauty and getting pissed off at her attitude. She was apparently suffering no such internal conflict and repeated her question. Why are you going to Wellington? Holiday, I answered shortly, my gaze returning to my screen and Damien's stupid email, hoping she would get the message. She didn't. You'll love it. Well, I would say that. Well, he's my hometown. And I'm not just saying that because I was born there. My mum is of the iwi of Nagati Toa. That's the local Maori people. Do you watch rugby? Because the All Blacks perform the Kamati Kaka, which one of my ancestors held up my hand and looked up from my screen. Has anyone ever told you you don't know when to stop talking? I meant the comment to be flippant, but she immediately looked hurt, then angry, very angry. Actually, they have. It was though I had reached over pierced her skin and let all the air out. It was rushing out of her with incredible force and it was all directed at me. I'm going to walk over here and leave you the fuck alone. Before I could mumble some form of apology, she turned quickly and walked away. I sat back in my chair, wondering what had just happened, feeling like I'd taken the wrong turn on a calm street and wandered into a fierce and windy storm. Regretting my actions, I was sure that would be the last time I'd see her. I was wrong. Minutes later, I was dragging my bags down the airplane's narrow corridor, eyes flicking madly up and down between my ticket and the seat numbers. I always make a point of checking online in what part of the plane I'm seated before I board, so I knew I was in the right area. Suddenly, I was at my seat. Hello again, she said. All of the lightness of earlier gone from her voice. Of all the people I could have been seated next to, it had to be her. She had a magazine on her lap and pointedly began flicking through it again, refusing to meet my gaze. As I heaved my bags into the overhead locker, it occurred to me that she was sitting by the window. That was my seat. I cleared my throat, but she stubbornly refused to look up. Should I dare to prod the beast again and risk another fierce attack? Uh, excuse me, I think you're sitting in my seat, I ventured, trying to convince myself I was being brave. She shrugged her shoulders. Window, aisle, who cares? I like to sit where it feels best. You sound like my older sister. I said it more to myself than to her. Sorry? She asked. The storm clouds were brewing. I figured I had little choice but to push on. My sister, she has a similar attitude. I admire her for it, I wish I could be more spontaneous. She stared at me for a moment, as though weighing several options. At last she sighed. You the youngest in your family? I nodded. Me too, she continued. And my older brother. He's always pissing me off, to be honest. He thinks he should be the centre of attention, and he never compromises. Probably says the same thing about me. She gestured towards the seat. We're going to spend the next three hours together. Why don't we make the most of it? 90 minutes each with the window? I considered her offer, and at last smiled and nodded. What did I have to lose? Ninety less minutes staring at clouds or three hours of an angry neighbour. Deal. She held out her hand as a peace offering. I'm Tara. I shook it and we spent the next three hours drinking too much and sharing more stories of our families. 
To this day, I'm not sure it was the booze, the altitude or the holiday vibe, but I grew more and more fond of her during that flight, and she definitely got cuter. I kept trying to pull out my lonely planet and laptop to plan my trip, but each time she put another drink in my hand and waved them away. How about you put the computer away and have a real conversation with me? I told you, I'll show you around Welly. She kept her word and swapped seats with me halfway through the flight. It was a fairly embarrassing attempt, however. Our giggling, chipping, falling over each other routine brought us to the attention of other passengers. I nearly leant in and kissed her, but the flight attendant's intervention ended the moment. As I settled back into my seat, I couldn't believe what had nearly happened. I never kiss girls spontaneously. I plan every move, from pre-dinner cocktails to breakfast the next morning. Something about this girl and her laid-back attitude were rubbing off, and we only really known each other for a few minutes. We had more in common than our contrasting personalities initially revealed. As well as both being the runt of our litters, I was definitely planned, she was less sure, we also worked in our respective cities' companies. Hers was far more glamorous compared to my public service gig, except it was me, not her, still sending work emails from the airport. I'm a graphic designer, she slurred after our third G&T, leaning towards me so her breast rested on my arm. But like everyone in Willie, most of my work is connected to Peter Jackson in some way. I do a heap of stuff for Weta, you know, the digital company they started in Welly after Heavenly Creatures. I didn't. I was planning on reading all about Weta on the flight. All freelance though, Tara continued. I don't like to get bogged down in anything. I tried my best to make my job sound interesting. Sounds awesome, she exclaimed. Shut. Sounded like she meant it. She gushed about Canberra too. I hardly had a spare moment during my two weeks. There was so much to do. The art galleries, the bars, not to mention the hours I spent with my niece and nephew at Questacon. What a place. I've never slept at a zoo before either. It was exhilarating being so close to roaming lions. So much great food. I think I put on three kilos from the freak shakes alone. Although she remained fiercely parochial about Wellington. Your pale ales are good. We have more craft breweries with a wider selection, you know. And our public transport is way better. I couldn't help myself but respond. Maybe, but I bet our weather's better. She laughed at that. True, but I'm guessing that's not something a Canberran says every day. We'd also spent more time at university than was good for us, both with masters in our fields. Before I knew it, the fastened seatbelt sign was back on and the plane was hitting turbulence. The captain warned us we were preparing to land. I wasn't sure I liked the tone of his voice. First time landing in Welly, honey? I nodded grimly. She giggled in return. Ah, this'll be fun. It certainly was. In a jerky, nausea-inducing, where is the runway and how is the captain controlling this large lump of metal in these winds sort of way. If you want a replay, check out the YouTube channel on landing in Wellington Airport, Tara gushed once we were safely on the ground. I nodded, trying to tell myself I had enjoyed completely losing control. As we exited towards the baggage carousel, the alcohol started to wear off and reality set in. I'm a list and tick traveller, usually a holiday based on a TripAdvisor list. Go and see one of the top 10 art galleries or museums in the world. Once I pick my destination, I list the top 5 things to do and I'm sure I've done them before I've left. Last year, on my first day in Paris, I saw the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre and Rodin's Thinker before I'd even checked into my hotel. I had no such plan set for Wellington though. Apart from an Airbnb booking for a place off Cuba Street, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was supposed to do my planning on the plane. As if sensing my anxiousness, Tara smiled and nudged me. Let's grab an Uber to your place, then I can show you a great spot for lunch just round the corner. We did, and it was great. Appropriately named Fidel's. 
apparently quite the welling institution. My Cubano was delicious. Tara caught me staring at the picture of Shea and Castro brothers on the wall. You know, this street is named after a ship that arrived here in the 1840s. It's not a reference to any particular affinity we have with the Cubans. We spent the afternoon exploring the bohemian shops, cafes and bars in the Cuba quarter. From that point on, we didn't separate for the rest of the week. She slept at my place that first night, and I spent a couple of nights at Tara's apartments in Aro Valley, just north of the city, and up some ridiculously steep hills. Along the way, she gave me the definitive Wellington local experience. Abundance of coffee in the morning from a myriad of places who roasted with names like Café La Fare and Memphis Belle. After lunch, it was craft beers and cocktails. My favourite was Garage Project, located in an old service station converted into a brewery. One day, we started with a flight of flat whites in the morning at the aptly named Flight Coffee Hangar and ended the day with flights of beers served on paddles at Tasting Room. One laneway alone had enough delights to keep us entertained for several hours with soda stream drinks, pizza, coffee, baked goods, chocolates and beers. Not that it was all eating and drinking. She told me that Wellington wasn't a tick and flick sort of holiday place. Sure, the Te Papa was a great museum and who doesn't love a cute red cable car that takes you to the mountaintop botanic gardens? It's just hard to enjoy in constant drizzling rain and gale force winds. That Wellington wind was relentless. It felt strong enough to uproot buildings, trees and people. But they withstood it with resolute charm. They were obviously used to it. Still, I didn't believe Tara when she told me Bell Shakespeare did open-air performances at the gardens. Yet, it was the best holiday I'd ever had. It changed my life. I was falling in love with the city and perhaps my host too. That Whitlam song about Melbourne kept going through my head. In love with this girl and with her town as well. I started substituting rainy city for windy city. It was hard to separate my feelings with the two. She forced me to do things I never would have done. I nearly killed myself mountain biking down the flow trail from Makara Peak. But with the wind ripping through my hair and the dirt flying past, as the terrace subsided, I realised I was having fun. Almost as scary was her risk-taking racing up Mount Victoria in her beaten-up Corolla, dodging oncoming traffic on a narrow suburban road, no wider than her car. We nearly hit a middle-aged man who picked the wrong time to put out his bins and dive for cover on his front lawn as Tara swerved to miss a cyclist coming the other way. What it must be like to live on the side of a mountain with bikes and tourists streaming past day and night. The view on the top from the lookout, particularly the harbour bay around Tapapa, made it all worthwhile. We dined on an amazing selection of local produce from the harbourside markets and nearby Moore Wilson. The return trip proved nearly as scary as the trip up, but still the car was preferable to a bike, which I flatly refused despite my fun at Makara. Yeah, chicken, next time we're mountain biking down, Tara teased. And all too quickly, my holiday was over. We sat across from each other at Sweet Mother's, picking at our fried chicken. I held a hand, trying not to cry. Tears were already flowing down Tara's cheeks. I can't do a long-term relationship, she mumbled, not meeting my gaze. I'll be back in Canberra in six months. You can show me around and um, we'll see where things are at then. I was going to lose her. I had to do something. Something radical. So I did. I broke all my life plans. Tara, marry me. Live with me, I begged. And amazingly, she said yes but with a catch. We should spend six months in Canberra and six months in Welly, she replied. Another broken life plan? I hadn't even thought about where we would live. What had come over me? 
no way my boss would agree to that. Yet, incredibly, my response was to giggle and nod. I was overcome with happiness. She was totally worth it. I did eventually get the chance to show around Canberra. But that's another story. But we'll have to get married in Wellington, she continued, laughing and putting her arm around me. Why? Not that I was necessarily opposed to the idea, but I considered ceremonies in both cities. Because, Marion, you dummy, your silly country still doesn't recognise same-sex marriage. Shut. That's true, I replied. I considered her suggestion further before making a counteroffer. Surely our cities and personalities demand two ceremonies, a planned civil union in Canberra and a wild wedding in Wellington. She smiled. Deal. But only if we swap seats halfway through. I'll be with you. Well, hope you enjoyed that little yarn uh, inspired from those fantastic items from Beck that were sprinkled throughout and my own experiences uh, visiting the windy city of Wellington. It is a fantastic place to visit. Really encourage you to get over there and see it. Hello to any Hurricane supporters who may be making their way to Canberra for the, the upcoming quarterfinal with the Brumbies. Um, I hope you enjoy our city, but leave disappointed at the result. Apologies too for my undoubted mispronunciations of um, various Wellington landmarks and Maori words throughout that yarn. I do apologise. I, um, I gave it my best shot. I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, just a reminder that you can always request your own story, usually sent in Canberra, although that one obviously was inspired by a different capital. Just visit the website capitalyarns.com.au where you can leave your three items for me to weave into a story. Uh, and always happy to hear from people from other capital cities uh, who might inspire me, like Beck, to uh, explore their home and how it might compare to mine. You can get the Capital Yarns book, compilation of stories with some fantastic photographs, uh, still at a range of retailers around Canberra and online. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to Hashimoto for the fantastic theme music for the podcast. Thanks also to Beneath Benetta for the music you heard uh, all the way through the story and the aptly named In Transit. And uh, that song just uh, by title and sound fitted this story so well. And so did Beneath Benetta. They, uh, they're a Canberra-based band, but one of their members also hails from Wellington. So what a, um, what a wonderful piece of music to match to that story. And thanks to them for allowing me to use it. Uh, you can check those guys out on Facebook and I'll have a link to that site on the show notes. And until August, when I'll be back with another yarn, stay warm, see the world, come back to Canberra, and cheer for the Brumbies. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.